Okay, so we're recording uh, one last episode of the Montana PowerPod on the evening before the uh, primary here. And today on the show, we have Emily Lachelle. She grew up in Bozeman, Montana, and for the past two years, she's been involved in, with the Sunrise Movement, leading trainings across the country to empower youth and frontline communities to stand up for climate justice and social justice. As we uh, originally we uh, intended to bring her on to talk uh, solely about the, the Green New Deal, which a lot of people I've talked to have uh, questions about. Um, but as we are currently in a historic moment with the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, with uh, hundreds of civil rights protests, protests across the United States, uh, I guess we, we'd like to maybe weave the conversation uh, into that as well. Anyways, uh, welcome Emily uh, to the show, and um, I guess uh, the first question is, um, no, it's going to be about what exactly is a Green New Deal, but uh, what are you thinking right now uh, in the middle of uh, sort of current events, what's what's happening? Totally. Um, so do you want me to answer the question about the Green New Deal or, or the current events? Uh, that's <laughs> okay. a tough one. Um, well... Maybe start with, can't, would you be able to weave uh, the two together somehow? Or That's a lot to yeah. ask. Yeah, I can give it a shot. Um, I mean, essentially what the Green New Deal is, is a governing agenda for society. It's a way to say the current, the current climate crisis, which is an existential threat for our generation and for black and brown people across the world and low-income communities, is to say that this problem is so massive that nothing short of a 10-year intervention across our economy, across our agriculture, our energy, our transportation, um, our economy, our very way of life is going to be enough to respond to this crisis. And so the Green New Deal lays out, like, this is what needs to happen across those different sectors because our current government has fundamentally failed to stand up for for everyday people. It's decided which communities, you know, are going to have toxic waste in their backyards and fossil fuel infrastructure that's going to poison their communities. Um, so the Green New Deal, it's it's not all of all of the things that are gonna happen. We know that it's it's a governing agenda for like over an extended period of time across all levels of government. Here's the things that are gonna honestly need to change if we're gonna be able to tackle this crisis at like the size and scale that needs to happen at right um and i mean like because the current system has fundamentally failed to stand up for black and brown communities indigenous communities low-income communities that means that we know the green deal needs to center those communities if we are going to find a way forward that truly makes sure we don't have any more disposable people or any more disposable places 
And I think with the uprisings for Black lives that we're seeing right now, like the same system that has contributed to climate change, that has treated those communities as truly disposable, all, all of that building up pressure of these, these people who have, who have been treated like shit by the state, who have been systemically murdered, they're like rising up to say, we, we need justice. We need the government and all these people to see our lives as valuable. So, I mean, I think, mm. I think the root of these things is fundamentally intertwined. And I mean, also, if you look at like the, um, the wealth disparity across race in the country, it's like, yeah, centuries of white supremacy has made white people across this country hold so much power and so much wealth. And obviously there's like, yeah, <laughs> racial capitalism has also left black and brown and indigenous communities um, in, in like, a, like a lot more low income situations than white families. Um, and so if the Green New Deal is also an economic intervention um, that will make good jobs for all people so that like Americans don't need or people in this country don't need to work three jobs and still not be able to pay rent. Like, I don't know, these things are just like so intertwined and the Green New Deal, if it actually works, can mean like justice for black and brown and indigenous communities as well. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do see the most connected for sure. So I guess. Yeah, this is, oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's answering the call to all of these social injustices that have been going on since like the beginning of our country, and um, just more pressing now than ever. So it just seems like they're um, laying out a a plan that actually matches up to the scale of the crises that we're facing. Um, and I guess Absolutely. I'm wondering. I'm, I'm wondering, Emily. Um, what do you see as like as like the best case scenario of coming out of this pandemic, um, um, and just like it's such a historic moment? Like, what what sort of uh, best case scenario do you see like in twenty twenty one of systematic changes um, that could help you know get us started for the decade of a Green New Deal? Totally. I mean, at the base of this, people are saying like, what does it look like for the government to actually stick up for its people? And right now, you know, like, almost COVID, we've seen, like, the government say, oh, sorry, we don't have the supplies to give hospitals that are, like, caring for people. The supplies they need to actually yeah. do their job and, like, adequate testing. So literally the people who are taking care of people are not, are, like, having to figure out their own PPE, right, their own protective gear. And then as soon as Black people are getting organized and saying, like, enough is enough, like, fighting for justice for George Floyd, like, they're able to mobilize all of these police departments mm-hmm. to, like, crack down with, like, literal military gear, I mean, and, and, like, riot gear. So, I mean, it's very clear that the government's priorities are to protect its, its own power and, the, and its own status quo. So, I mean, like, Black Lives Matter has called nationally to defund the police and say, like, mm-hmm. invest in these communities instead. And, like... Yeah, I mean, a Green New Deal isn't going to work if if these same communities are still being, like, policed with military gear and policed by people who don't look like them. And if that money was actually going into investing in the communities that have been, you know, poisoned by fossil fuel infrastructure, that have been, like, 
brutally police, like that's going to change a lot. So to me, I feel like also part of kicking off the decade of the Green New Deal is defunding that the police and putting that money into all of the things that need to radically transform if we're also going to address the climate crisis and take care of like like sticking up for the justice and well for the dignity and well-being of all people in this country. Yeah, I mean it it, it sounds a lot like um you know reinvesting in social programs and uh and and government yeah. in the best possible way. Uh Absolutely. It seems like I mean to me the the police seems to be like the answer if you are defunding your your social programs, right? Then then you need to uh, to uh, oppress the, civil, the the society that is uh, is reacting to the lack of, of support. Um, yeah, especially when they're getting billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And the people fle- always ask how we're going to pay for the Green New Deal. You know, right, <laughs> like, right. Well, let's look at where the money's going right now and see what's what's honestly hurting our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The police addressed like the Avengers and uh, uh, healthcare workers are wearing barrels held up with suspenders. So, um, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, but um, on the side of uh, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, like I know that we just can't, uh, you know, build windmills and solar panels our way out of this problem without like taking on uh, the fossil fuel industry at the same time. And I guess um, the underlying the underlying cause of climate change uh, seems to be just the unlimited consumption and growth uh, of oh. human society these days. And I guess I'm just wondering how you. Uh, envision a Green New Deal or how it's been uh, portrayed uh, with the Green New Deal to address these issues as well? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when you're talking about, like, this orientation to unlimited growth, like, of course, we know it's not actually unlimited. It's like, oh, I actually can continue to, like, extract and grow and consume because I don't actually see the impact because the people who are making those choices are are getting buffered by you know like a lot of money and power and that you know for a lot of communities like they're already seeing like climate apocalypse basically because their communities are like bearing the brunt of all that extraction so certainly like can't can't continue just like turning a blind eye to what that kind of consumption and extraction actually means to the people who are who are facing the impact of it. Yeah. Um, um, did you have a question? Did I ask your question? Was there another piece of that? Sorry, um, like I kind of went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no, that was definitely worthwhile to hear. Um, no, I def- I don't know. It's a complicated uh, question, I guess. I was just I guess I was just wondering how we're gonna take on the unlimited growth and and uh, I feel like you answered that there um, yeah I mean I guess another answer to that question is like in the Green New Deal it talks about like what does it look like for for communities to be in charge of their energy like communal control mm-hmm. over their energy and we know that communities aren't going to choose for themselves things that are going to put polluters next to where their kids play you know what I mean and things that are going to mm-hmm. pollute their air and water because they're like we have to deal with the impacts of that. Um, so, I mean, I think community control is like a, a huge piece of this. And, you know, out in Montana, we know that we can get like so much wind energy here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wind, wind and solar for sure. And and other communities, like it may look different, but like it should be up to us, us to figure that out. You know what I mean? 
yeah, rather than these giant for-profit companies like how it's going right now, it's definitely not working out for people mm-hmm. who, who need no energy. No energy. We're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of community control, can can either Emily or Daniel kind of speak more to the the specifics of the, the Montana landscape these days with, with uh, community control of energy? Where are we at in, in Bozeman, in your hometown, Emily, and and Dan and Missoula and, and, and Helena now and, and what 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 what's going on with uh, um, the procurement of energy from the University of Montana campus and that sort of thing. Can you guys you I could speak a little bit to that. Um, yeah. yeah, right now if you want a community owned uh, energy, uh, you could go through a co op like in Missoula Electric Co op or um, others around the state. But um, at the end of the day, we're just really not meeting everybody's basic needs um, as long as there's these for-profit companies uh, in control of our basic needs. Uh, looking at you again, Northwestern Energy and Montana <laughs> Dakota Utilities. But For real. Um, basically, uh, we're just not going to have justice with our utilities when we have people seeking to maximize their profits every quarter um, on these things. And so uh, really, there's, there's um, nothing like uh, what a Green New Deal envisions, I think, for utilities going on right now in Montana. Uh, everyone's paying into it, and um, those who have to go through these monopolies are getting gouged um, for their price, for their energy, too. And um, we're just really far away of getting everybody their basic needs. So there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, that's totally, yeah. Yeah, totally fair. I guess uh, the next question I have is, um, so climate change itself is a global issue. And I think one thing we've seen from these protests is that like, you, you know, there's, it's reverberating around the globe. I mean, other countries are starting to protest in solidarity. And I guess that's almost like a recognition of the fact that we're, we're all kind of in this together. And so, um, well, I appreciate, I'm a Canadian, so, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm the international perspective on the show. But uh, so, so while I appreciate individual countries making an effort to combat climate change, uh, the fundamental truth is that it, like I said, it affects the globe. Um, has there been any, any thought in the, in, to this in the, in the c- current configuration of the Green New Deal? Um, and, and I guess, is there a plan to address um, like climate refugees, like all these, these downstream effects that will, you know... Uh, affect the country down the road and, and currently are because I mean, there's this climate refugees already uh, moving up from the uh, devil's triangle down in Central America or whatever it's called. Oh man, that is, that is a phenomenal question. And I think, I think I'd love to speak to that from the perspective of like, you know, the work that like Sunrise is doing and, and a lot of, um, I guess the visual movement that you've seen from climate strikes and and all of this movement that's happened and really escalated in the last couple of years globally to address these issues. Um, I mean, like the purpose of movement is to, is to shift the common sense and say that like, look, y'all have been pretending for a long time that like, you know, stop using plastic bags and metal straws will get us out of this Hmm. instead of actually, you know, confronting corporations. So I think what's smart to do in like movement settings is is to say like, what's, what's the climate that we're working in right now? And so, you know, the United States is obviously so far behind so many other countries of being like, 
this is a real issue that we are going to like mobilize all of our resources to address because we understand that our, our communities and like our futures really depend on our ability to mobilize on this in the next 10 years. So I think that's why you see, you know, like in the United States, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to focus on holding my own government accountable for this because that's where I have power and sway and like knowledge of, you know, this like political landscape. And I'm not overstepping my bounds. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I I don't think I have as much of a, a right to be like, I know exactly what's happening in these other countries and this is what y'all should do. I mean, I think we can leave it up to the people of those countries who know those things to say like, these are the demands we want to make of our countries. And at the same time, like, like as the Green New Deal has taken off in the United States, other countries have replicated similar things. So we also know that, especially because the United States is responsible for way more um, of, the, of the, the greenhouse gas emissions, the carbon emissions, than we feel the impact for. We have a huge responsibility of just getting our own country into shape, basically. And as things continue to move, like, like the movement, the movement spreads globally as far as just like shifting, like global common sense for what what needs to happen, right? And I, and I mean, I think the issue that you brought up about climate refugees is huge. You know what I mean? Like, like United States is is contributing to this crisis, and that means people are looking for refuge inside of our borders. And you know, Trump has literally taken money away from FEMA to put towards the door. Like that term's called like climate apartheid, you know, where we're literally like barring off our borders as we continue to add to the crisis that is, that is making more and more climate refugees. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think if we can also change common sense inside our country to say like, we're doing this not because we care about polar bears, but because we believe um, in like, standing up for the health and dignity of all people, that means when people come knocking on our doors, coming to our borders, that means we fight for them too. So I think it's our movement's work, you know, to make sure that, that like everyone in this country feels that deeply and that we can hold our politicians accountable to that. That was a good answer. Yeah. I, I think that would be very refreshing actually for the, for the U S to just kind of step aside and say, you know what? I think you guys got to figure it out. That would be actually very, that would be a very different sort of international policy than they've adopted for, I don't know how long. So that, that might be the best way. Um, honestly, but I think the way the U as far as the U S goes, I mean, that does influence a lot of the world. Uh, so that will do a lot. I guess the uh, the fear is if it just metastasizes somewhere else. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so what do you think? What, what do you all think it's going to take um, to get this Green New Deal into 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 law? And um, like, what, what do you think it's going to take? Because like, we're not we can't really expect our political leaders to act on this, and um, oh. just we just can't allow things to continue the way it is. So. Kind of just like really quick, what, what do you think it's going to take? Mm. Well, I mean, um, I mean, I mean, you know this, Daniel, but like in Sunrise, we really believe that in order to make change, we need a combination of both political power and legal power and to move this like common alignment of many other movements that believe in fighting for the um, health and well-being of all people. And so, I mean, like, 
for example, you know, as we're watching these uprisings happen around the country, that's a phenomenal amount of people power, you know, that are saying, like, we need to make sure that this country actually believes that Black Lives Matter, right? But if you don't have politicians on the inside who are, who are also, like, can be held accountable for that and can be pushed on that, like, having people alone won't work. And that's actually one of the things that I'm feeling, like, heavy about in this moment. I'm like, do we have real politicians in office right now that are ready to fight for this? Like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll fucking see, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm like, so I think we need both politicians. <laughs> You know, like Daniel literally being in office, being like, no more fossil fuel infrastructure, yeah. not in my state, you know, not in my county. <laughs> um, and and a mass movement of people who are ready to hold the politicians accountable by saying, we will shut shit down. Like, we are going to strike. We're not going to stop until we see you actually, you know, standing up for the values of the Green New Deal. So a combination of both those things, as well mm-hmm. as like, you know, the Green New Deal fundamentally is saying, like, we need mass government action for the common good, which means there's lots of other movements, you know, like the movement for Black Lives, saying, like, <laughs> it's going to take a whole lot of government action to, to make this happen. And right now, the common sense is, like, small government, right? That's, I suppose, like, the legacy of Reagan. So as we begin to shift the common sense, I'm believing that it's government's responsibility to stick up for all people. So that kind of like, you know, three-piece, um, three-pong strategy is what's going to make it happen, which is honestly just going to take a hell of a lot of organizing. Mm-hmm. But that's our work. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're on it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if, if you just have the organizing in the street, they'll just double down on, you know, these repressive tactics. Uh, if there's nobody willing to, to listen. Um, yeah, I mean... And I would actually say, like, this isn't Sunrise's work as much, but, you know, the groups who have um, tried to figure out what alternatives can look like, you know, like, the reason we understand, like, renewable sources of power is from these groups who have also figured out, like, practicing alternatives. And I actually believe that's an important piece of the movement ecology to also make change. So, you know, the people who are are bold enough to vision and begin practicing what the Green New Deal can already look like so that the movements, like, have that vision in our head as we fight for it. Like, movements when we're fighting for something and not just against something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally fair. Be on the, be on the offensive, I guess, is what you're saying? That's or, right, yeah. yeah. Movements are only going to win when we're on the offense. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it, the left has been on the on the defensive in this country for far too long. So long. <laughs> um, so let's see if we have any other questions. Um, Dan, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, it's been great um, having you um, back in Montana, Emily, and I'm excited to keep keep growing our groups in Montana. Um, I guess last question: um, How are uh, basic human rights, um, like all the basic needs? Um, accounted for under a Green New Deal, like food, health, um, education, uh, place to live. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, that's a great question. I like don't don't have it in front of me, so I feel I feel scared I might miss something. Um, but I mean, hmm. yeah, I mean it does it does just that, like just what you're saying. It's like 
how do we actually make sure our food system, like we have the ability to make sure there's no one hungry in this country, right? It's just a matter of how we're like redistributing um, those resources and like, you know, not leaning into like monocrops and other things like that. So it definitely accounts for agriculture, feeding people, huge human right thing, right? But also like clean air and water. What's been polluting those things for us so much, you know? Like not like the fossil fuel industry is certainly to blame and that's part of who's being held accountable in the Green New Deal, right? Um, and then also saying like, what does it mean for everybody to have access to a good and safe job, like a good and safe union job um, and in order to like continue meeting the needs um, of people. You know, I'm not an expert of what all like the human rights things are, but I mean, I do believe that having like government control or like having community control um, over these things is, is really important too. So I don't know, Daniel, you want to add on to that? I'd love to. Hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just kind of envisioning it. I mean, like kind of like how you've been saying the whole time, just, it's just going to be a huge, it's really a major change, but um, it's just a huge change because now we're going to be investing into our people and communities rather than, you, you know, like jails and incarcerations and military and so on and so forth. So, yeah. you know, I would hope that all these basic needs are included in, in the plan. And it sounds like a Green New Deal um, in most people's eyes would yeah. probably have all these things. Um, yeah, um, that actually brings I, up a phenomenal point, I think, though, about like, yeah, actually, prisons and jails are huge human rights violations, and I believe actually should exist, you know what I mean? So what would mm-hmm. it look like for Green New Deal to actually be investing in communities in a way that, like, you know, that, like, jails and prisons that are extremely inhumane actually actually weren't the answer to protecting communities, instead just investing in communities. Yeah, I think that's a good Yeah, are you guys still there? Oh, yep. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that part out. Um, so I guess I just thought of this question. Um, when you talk about the Green New Deal, I mean, is it just is it more sort of an aspiration at this point? I mean, I know people have uh, have crafted legislation. Um, is there a framework that we're going on, or is it just sort of like you know we have a yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Is there is there like a framework of legislation that's already been put out there? Uh, is uh, is it based on the Sanders uh, platform? Um, what uh, what version of the Green New Deal um, uh, are uh, does are you prescribing? Yeah, I mean the thirteen page resolution. We call it a governing agenda because it like yeah, it's not filled out in all the ways that it needs to be, and it says like this is kind of like the bare minimum like this is what we know needs to be happening and like you know i think that's why it was so phenomenal it's like the first bill to actually come out with it was was the housing bill dropped by um alexandria ocasio cortez mm-hmm. which kind of just like talks you know some people were um yeah some people were kind of like well why isn't this just about climate why is this housing but we're like no, this is actually what it's going to take to, like, take care of all people, right? And, like, let's look at how people are poisoned inside of, like, low-income housing so often. But, yeah, no, we're really pushing for it as a governing agenda um, and not just, like, hey, we already know all the specifics. Like, it's going to many, many bills, every level of government over a long period of time. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think the New Deal um, that got us out of the Great Depression, one of the things that got us out of the Great Depression is, like, a good format for that. 
obviously that have a lot of really racist history that we're still, you know, like seeing the impact of. But I think that's sort of comparable, which is why I have the common namesake. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey, I actually have to go pretty soon. Is no this worries. Okay no worries at all. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, I think we've you know we've covered a lot of of territory and we've we've taken up uh, you know a good amount of your time. So um, yeah, we're Can definitely. I be like, Can I ask one more quick question? Uh-oh. Come on, Max. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm sure Daniel can answer things very well, too. <laughs> He's a very intelligent and skilled person that I'm super stoked to have in office. Uh, well, thanks, Emily, and uh, enjoy the rest of your organizing night, and uh, enjoy all, having all your friends in town, too. Thank you. Yeah, y'all, this is going to be a big week. Like, Bozeman's escalating on Friday. Get ready to see some, some big, powerful organizing like you've never seen before. <laughs> awesome. In okay. Montana, at least. Oh, we look forward to all it. Right. Thanks so much. Have a good night, y'all. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. Okay, uh, Max, what was your question? <laughs> I was just going to say uh, really quickly that I really, I wish that uh, I could hear. She's very, her. I'm very busy, Max. I got to get out of here. Sorry. I was, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great impression. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. Uh, should I edit that out? No, no. Anyways, no. Um, what were you gonna ask though? Oh, I was gonna ask. Uh, you know, just just like I wish that I could hear her like every day. It's like really, really, uh, it's like smooth jazz listening to her describe basically, you know, some some different perspectives and different ways to think about this and, and, and taking the broad view and taking the long view and taking the, the younger person view. And I was just curious if she, I mean, I can't listen to her every day, obviously, uh, you know, she can't beam into my head, but I was just curious if she had any resources mm. written. You could verbal. repeat the podcast every day for every day. Yeah, I just put it on your your ear pods and just play it when you're out in the fields. Or, or <laughs> Max, what are you up to? Yeah. Uh, I'm listening to the podcast again. That's all I got. No. Um. Yeah, I think we're, we're bad at overrunning people's time on the podcast sometimes because I think because we, I definitely told her that we're going to end it at eight thirty. Yeah. Whenever, oh. whenever we're first starting, but. Well, she was I, I the think first... we got some good content there. I think so. We can just so. like smooth in an ending. I think we can she... just like somehow smooth an ending. <laughs> well, I think she was the yeah. first uh, actual succinct guest we've had, which is nice. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, are there guests yeah. like talk yeah, like to talk a lot? Hard. And it was nice, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but uh, right, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I totally agree, Max. I mean, uh, there's a real like gift that some people have to like really clearly delineate issues and i think she's like yeah she was able to do that yeah how did you do that ah 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 well said yeah um oh good 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 pick dan and yeah really good well i had no part in it but I'm glad you, yeah (laughs) i'm glad it worked out i'm glad it worked out you're here to do the green new deal episode Yeah. yeah Okay, well, um, I guess uh, that's that's probably it for. I mean, I actually kind of like how this whole thing's gone. I might even keep this end part in, but we'll see how it sounds. Oh, if you do, just cut the part where I just screamed. Uh, Christine was a real blowhard. 
Oh, did you say that? Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, maybe cut that out. Uh, Christine was not a blowhard. She's a very nice person. Um, Okay, I'll cut that out. Okay. um, Well, primary is tomorrow, Dan. So uh, I guess uh, what's your plan if you you win, uh, win, win tomorrow? If I win tomorrow, um, then uh, I'm going to make – well, either way, I'm going to make a closing statement video tomorrow night, and uh, I guess it would be a different statement whether I win or lose. But um, basically the plan for the next week if I win is just to make all these phone calls and start uh, you know, getting a distributed organizing strategy for all the seven counties um, with volunteers. And uh, I might give Monica a few days to – to sit on it and then eventually reach out to her and her campaign manager and um, uh, see if they'd be willing to reach out to all of their donors and volunteers and try and, you know, form a little bit of party unity there. And um, just cause it's, it's a really important race and hopefully Monica will be re- willing to help me win the general. So that's pretty much the next step is just going to be trying to form those coalitions and then also reaching out to all these environmental groups that have been kind of waiting for the primary to be over in a sense um, to get involved with this race. Like I know like Sierra club, 350 Montana, MEIC, um, and I'm sure many more are really interested in the PSC race. So that's the next step for the rest of the week is reaching out to all those groups and, and start building this, uh, a huge list of volunteers and, um, and just contacts to, to start, you know, raising the money and the people power that's necessary to win the general. So that's kind of the next steps. Well, we should have an open, open an invitation to folks that you uh, um, build bridges with to bring them on the pod, and you know, uh, oh, definitely, you know, especially as like a group and stuff. And let's, you know, I, I think it would be very interesting if maybe there were less of us and uh, more people surrounding you on the podcast, Dan, uh, that you were able to ask questions of and, and uh, brainstorm next steps on. You know? Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, so I'm, I definitely would love to sit down with you guys, or sit down over Zoom or phone call and talk to you guys about next steps. Um, hopefully, I win tomorrow, and then we can just season two of Montana Power Podcast and then keep <laughs> yeah. on going. Yeah, that'd yeah, be incredible. Sure. We still obviously need the international perspective, so I'm not saying you know, yeah. That, but, yeah. So you guys would be willing to keep me on the podcast? <laughs> oh yeah, we need you. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah. Okay, cool. gr- uh, yeah. So, uh, but that's that's excited. I'm I'm nervous for you, Dan. But it would be, man, with everything that's going on, like it would be so amazing if you won tomorrow. I mean, it would be really nice. I w- think it would. Uh, it'll be great. Um, either way, I've got a couple interviews scheduled tomorrow. Uh, right after the two different radio stations are wanting to talk to me right after the election results come out and. I'll just keep elevating the the same pitch of public utilities and taking on Northwestern Energy's fossil fuel projects and stuff. But yeah, I hope yeah, I I really hope it works out. I don't know what else I could have done more. I think I think we've we've done a, a lot of good stuff. And then I've got like a mass text ready to send out to ten thousand people once I wake up tomorrow and tell the people that haven't voted, just kind of telling them how to vote and why they should vote for me. So I'm hoping that you know the past year of campaigning works out and and maybe we'll we'll win. I just don't know how how hard it is to beat big money sometimes, but we'll see. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we shall see. Yeah. But yeah. Either way, I mean, these are unique times. Either way, we're, uh, I mean, I'm, I can't speak for Max, but yeah, really, really uh, happy to have been part of this. So. Oh, yeah. I'm really happy to have, know you guys too and gotten to do this together. It's been really fun and it's been, it's been awesome. I'm definitely going to keep looking back at this podcast forever. So nice. either way, it's been great. Awesome. Amen. Okay, well, uh, I guess cross their fingers for tomorrow. Um, yeah, and uh, if it works out, wow, what a ride this is going to be. Oh, yeah. Then we're in for definitely season two and probably season three as well. I know. Damn. We'll get, uh, um, God, what's the word when, with a show like it's picked up for another season? Does it just mean get picked up? We'll get picked up for another season, so that's great. Yeah, we got the ratings, so. <laughs> okay well i guess uh, i'll uh, i'll say goodbye to you guys for now and then uh, I'll, we'll hopefully get this up uh, uh, later on today all right sweet okay right. See, see you guys yeah gonna take a drive <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's oh, right the dude. song you love <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> have a good night guys right, bye. bye gonna take a ride a holiday Thank you.